You are listening to iFanboys Talksplode with Joshua Williamson. Thank you for joining us on iFanboy's Talksplode. I am Josh Flanagan, of course, of iFanboy.com. And thank you to the patrons who uh, reached the level with their uh, donations. We brought back this interview show. I don't know how long I'm going to say that. It's been like a year now, but here we are. Uh, I I am doing today's talk with Joshua Williamson, who many of you probably know from uh, DC Comics and The Flash and The Button. Uh, Those are kind of big deals, right? Well, I've known Josh for a really, really long time. Um, Obviously, we've talked about his book, Birthright, um, but he's been doing comics for the better part of uh, the last couple of decades. So um, he's he's made it to the spot now. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some of the other work. And uh, thanks for joining us. I am here with Joshua Williamson. Hello. Hello, sir. It's good uh, to hear from you. It is. It's good to talk to you. I I realize now, like... I've known you for a long time, I think, since we I know. first chatted on the floor of San Diego Comic-Con. I was going to say that. I was actually telling my wife about how long I, right before I came in here to do this, I was telling her how long we've known each other. And I was like, you know, I, you know, we met on the, I think it was the DC Comics. I'm floor. seeing that. I'm feeling like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the I, think that's what, I think it was a DC, because I used to wander around the DC Comics area like a lost puppy. Um, so that's probably where we ran into each other. Yeah. Well... What I think is interesting, and, and I, I guess this is sort of the, the thing that I've had in mind, is that, I mean, you are helming, uh, you know, one of the big DC characters. You've got the Flash book going now. Um, there's a couple of other books that we're going to talk about. But, I mean, you've more or less made it, I would say. Um, certainly Have since I? the last time that we've talked. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, you're doing the thing now. You're not on, yeah. on, a, on a side book. You are You are on the big deal. You... You know, had a big part in in you know recent event that that went on. Uh, you know, it's so. Does it feel any different for you? Yeah, things are. It's it's weird. It's hard to explain sometimes. Like it's all. Oh man, it's hard to like wrap your my head around sometimes. Like to even like I'd have to like draw a map to like explain how different it feels. I think and how how different the experience is. I had a moment uh, today. Actually, I was thinking about how uh, since rebirth. Like in the last year, I've worked on three events for them, really, because I did, well, I guess four, because I worked on the the Flash Rebirth one shot, which I really wouldn't count as an event, but like it was a big deal at the time. And then I did Justice League versus Suicide Squad, and then I did the Batman and Flash crossover the button. And now I'm helping with metal stuff, and like I'll be working on metal stuff later on down the line. Like they already announced the, um, the, the, I forget what they're called, but the Red Death special, the Dark Knight specials. Mm-hmm. So I've been working on all this stuff, and I had this moment where I was like, oh, man, I've been working on a lot of these like really big stories for them. And it sometimes it's weird because so much of it is hitting the ground running, and you just never stop running. And you never have a moment to slow down to be like, oh, yeah, I did this thing. Because you're so occupied with whatever the next thing is. Like, you're thinking about stuff for next year and then two years from now. And, you know, the stuff I'm working on right now is, is long, long out. You know, we're talking about stuff from... 2018 2019 so it's like we're we're so far out and just talking about stuff and planning and just sort of bouncing ideas around 
that sometimes it's like I never have a moment to slow down and be like, oh, yeah, I do this for a living. So it is very weird like that I actually am able to do this. Well, one of the things that's interesting about your path, I think, compared to a lot of people, um, there has been, I think, a habit of to, over the past five, six years, you know, you, you they find the guy from some mm-hmm. book somewhere, and then that person pretty quickly is on a big book. Um, whereas you had a slower, and I would say this is a better path, honestly. You know, you've been around, kicking around for a while. You've done indie books. You've done quick hits here and there on, on smaller issues. You've done smaller runs on things. You had time to work it out, you know, before yeah, you I, had I, flash. I, Yes, I definitely learned in the field. I uh, I always feel like I'm much more the tortoise than the hare. And yeah, I am thankful for it. And I've had my ups and downs in my career, but it's like, I, I don't. I feel like I've just been around for a long time. You yeah. know, like I started self-publishing in like 2001 and I was doing little stuff and trying to make anthologies before that, but 2001 and then I started working it. It's funny because I remember when I got the flash job, there were some people that were like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, <laughs> not just that, but the the impact. This, this is what it is, though. It's, it is kind of funny, and I know other creators are like this. Every time you start a new book, if it's a bigger character, there are people who literally, you will see articles sure. that are like, who is this person? <laughs> um, every time. So, you know, I've been doing, like, I got my first job at DC at the beginning of 2009. And it's like I got, I was announced on The Flash in 2016. So, yeah, like, I have definitely kind of been tinkering around and, and I think I said it before, but yeah, learning in the field. I'm thankful for it though. I'm happy that I, I learned that way. Do you think that that helped in terms of sort of being able to speak, you know, speak, speak the language, basically you're working in a place like DC. It's, it's not, you know, you didn't go zero to 60 really, you know, right away. I think it definitely helped me have perspective on a lot of things and it mm-hmm. definitely helped me sort of have a better temperament um, and to be, a little bit uh, just calmer about things. Um, you know, and I've told, I've told the story many times, but like, you know, I've been at DC before and it didn't really work out and I left and I was doing other stuff for Dark Horse and Image and boom, you know, I was doing different projects. When I came back to DC, I really was, like I will only do The Flash. Mm-hmm. Like that was it. Like I was just like, I'm only going to do that and if not from anything else, I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, but on a rude way. It was just like right. this is where my this is this is what I'm passionate about, and they they responded to that. But that's also because I think I had that perspective of of being there and recognizing that like if you don't if you don't if you're not yourself if you don't push to like find ways for yourself to be in the story if you don't find like I don't know stand your ground on certain things mm-hmm. you're going to be shown the door. And I remember before my first time around, I would just take whatever job they threw at me, and I still that did not help me. But I also was not doing my best work at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be like, listen, this is something I'm passionate about. I will do my best work here. Let me pitch these things, and that that totally worked out. When I first, um, when I got the phone call, I had been talking to them for like, I want to say five or six months about the Flash. I got a phone call, and it basically was a phone call. So I, and I actually didn't know I had the job for sure, but they were calling. I, mean, I had just been in the office. And they were like, hey, we want, we, want to pay, we want to pay to have you come back. We're going to fly you back from Portland to Burbank to sit down with people and talk about things. And when I was talking about it, they were like, we've never done anything like this before, like this kind of thing. It was the big, I was the first person um, hired slash brought in for rebirth stuff mm-hmm. um, to like really be like people kind of knew stuff, but to be actually the whole process of like sitting down with Jeff and going through the whole thing with him. 
the person who was telling me this over the phone, they were like, one of the reasons why we're doing this with you, we've never done this before, but we're doing it with you first because we know you have the temperament for it. Um, and I thought to myself, like, you know, what does that mean? But at the same time, I was like, I know what they're saying. Um, sure. And that came from years of experience and years of just kind of being around this stuff and dealing with it. And, you know, I've worked on a lot of different projects and I've learned stuff from every single one of them. And so I think that I bring that to the table when I'm in those situations. And that's why... You know, I was offered the exclusive before the Flash number one even came out. Mm -hmm. And I was already in rooms for planning a future stuff before that first issue even came out. Um, I think just because they knew I had that that level of perspective, I guess. So now I don't remember for sure, but I mean, you're Mm -hmm. a DC guy. You're a DC guy, right? I mean, like when you were a kid, like, like clearly I could I could I could tell it if I'd only ever read the Flash is, is sort of what I'm getting at. So it was. I mean, was this flash, this thing in your head, you know, had this been sticking around and have you had this for a little while, ready to go, or? There were certain themes of it that I did, yeah, like some of the stuff involving him as being sort of a teacher character that I think that had gotten kind of lost, and uh, just my thoughts on him and wanted to to write that character. It's interesting because I was obviously like anybody my age, you know, I was a Wally guy and I was a a Bart guy, (laughs) you know, and that whole group of flash characters were something really important to me. And Barry was a character that I didn't really have as much of a, um, I liked Barry a lot. And, you know, my first introductions to Barry were like Mark Wade stories about Barry, um, or crisis, like crisis is, you know, at the time, the biggest story Wally had ever done. And so I had, I had a lot of thoughts about Barry and I had a lot of thoughts about Barry because of, um, my favorite flash story, which is return of Barry Allen. So it's like, mm-hmm. I just had a lot of thoughts about him and the person I want to put forward. And so while the, I would say the five years before I started writing it, I was definitely thinking about it. And I was, man, I remember, so it was, man, I think it was like April, April of 2015, I think. Uh, I was talking to Scott Snyder at C2E2. And he was like, you know what you should do? You should write The Flash. And I was like, ah, oh, they'll never let me write The Flash. That'll never happen. And, uh, but then I became obsessed with it, <laughs> with that idea. And I just started writing all these notes. And then, you know, I pitched, I pitched a story to them two, three months later, they got rejected, but they liked aspects of it. And then a few months after that, I pitched another story. Um, but it's funny, there's like the big picture stuff was definitely in my head, but the Speed Force Storm thing that we did with Godspeed and all that, that was not. Mm-hmm. That was something that came after a conversation I'd had with Dan where I told Dan what I wanted to do. And he basically was like, no, I don't like that. <laughs> and he was right. He was right. The story I wanted to do was really small. And then what was funny is I actually, as I was, and this is not a knock. I'm going to, I say that it was very small. And now I'm going to possibly offend people. Um, it was very small. It wasn't, it, it wasn't status quo changing enough. And or it just didn't feel like a big enough story for, for the flash and to be part of this big, this new beginning. And after I got the job, I went back through and I reread every, every single issue of the flash in kind of like weird order. Um, but I went back and I read a lot of the new 52 stuff and I realized a lot of the stuff I had wanted to do was had already been done in the new 52. And so I was like, Oh, well, that's even more reasons why they were like, no, we already did this stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I the Flash had been on my mind for a really long time. So when this came about, um, I don't know. I never realized how much of a connection I had with Barry as a person, really, until I started working on it. 
Do you think the character matters that much when you're dealing with sort of the Flash as long as it's one of them? Oh, no. It matters which one. Yeah. They're they're all so drastically different. I mean, that's a big part of my... I was literally just thinking about this this afternoon. Um, you know, because I'm in the middle of a story right now with Reverse Flash, with Eobard Thawne. And, uh, you know, people always ask me about Hunter Zolomon. Hunter Zolomon comes up. You're, you're a Flash fan, right? We've talked about this. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm, you know, probably not that no. far along compared to <laughs> folks that you're talking to. Uh, you know, I know some, but I'm not. So uh, each so one I'm of them just going to nod and be different. like, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get they're that they're different. different characters. I, so, I think what I was yeah. getting at, though, is that there is a family and there is a feel to it. And even though that main character will shift and that sort of changes the tone of it, but there's something about that straight arrow flash fact. Yeah. Movie yeah, thing. Like, like that family of books has a feel, I guess. And all those characters are sort of interesting in a way. I, I guess yeah, that's sort they, of what I was I mean, I think they all love being a, a superhero more so than any other person in the DC universe. I think uh-huh. that, like, they genuinely enjoy it, and they actually—it's uh, really weird. It's hard to wrap your—I guess it's hard to explain in, in today's in today's world. But like, they really do feel hope. They really do believe they're doing the right thing, and they're just that part of them. It, it's interesting, especially in the last couple of years, to have Barry in my head a lot. Um, you know, I have days of like, what would Barry Allen do, and and that kind of thing. And all the Flash characters have that. They all have this this sense of duty and hope, and and they. But at the same time, they actually like being superheroes. Mm-hmm. Like there's a fun to them. But what's interesting is, is that you know Barry is one of those characters who uh, I might be wrong on this. I think he's the only one that has this experience. He would read Flash comics when he was a kid. Barry would. Yeah. And so he grew up idolizing Jay Garrick, and so. Uh, when he became the Flash, like it was very much so a like you get to be this thing, you get to be the superhero that you wanted to be when you were a little kid, um, and so there's like a certain level of momentum with him of just like fun with him, like excitement of like I get to do this, and it's the same thing with Wally after him, and then Bart, like they all get to look up somewhere mm-hmm. um, and just be like, wow, this is really cool. I get to be this superhero that I liked as a kid, so. But yeah, they're all they're all so different to me. I hear their voices in my head. And, like if I had to write a Wally book, it would be, it would be pretty different from the Barry book. Do you ever find yourself uh, making because you were a Wally person because of your age, which is you know similar to mine? Do you ever find yourself writing like starting to think about what happened and go, no, no, he wouldn't do that. That's a, that's a Wally thing. This is more of a, this is a Barry thing. Or, or have you got them locked down now? There are moments when I'm writing that I will have that thought of like, no, that's something Wally would do. And, you know, and, and we had a big uh, conversation a while ago, me and some of the DC editors about something I was making a mistake about was that Barry is definitely a flash family person. And he was definitely like the patriarch of a lot of flash flash family stuff, mm-hmm. but he was not the character that had those stories. It was Wally yeah. that had stories right like wally's the real flash family uh flash and it's interesting because when barry came back after uh, his rebirth uh back in 2009 um you know when he came back a big part of the story was is about him avoiding the family you know and like the beginning they have a surprise party for him and he skips out and goes to the museum because he's just like what is you know like all this weird emotions that he was having about coming back and and how he was how he was viewed 
And then the end of that story, he obviously is like, let's try this again, you know, and, and be involved. But then when you read Jeff's 12 issues after that, that's another part of that story is that he's avoiding and he won't talk to Bart and the family has like interventions and stuff. And it's, you know, that's because he was not the family guy. He wasn't right. really not the level that, that not to the level that Wally is. That's not a thing to say anything about bad about Barry being a family guy. But so there are moments where I want to rebuild this Flash family and I want to do all this stuff with the Flash family. But I have to also recognize that that wasn't that wasn't always Barry's story. That was really Wally's and that, really you know, Barry, Barry's a character who I think wants those things. He definitely does want it. It's just going to take him a little bit to get there. Whereas in Wally, you know, grew up in it. Like he, yeah. he really did grow up in that situation. And then he had Jay and Joan and he had Max and he had Iris and he had Bart, you know, and then excess like it goes on and on and on. Um, like with villains, you know, there's some villains that I would love to write, like Hunter Solomon, who are uh, Wally villains that I love, that I think are like terrific villains, but they're Wally villains. Hmm. And so there's times where I'm like, I don't want to like, I don't want to burn <laughs> Wally and be like, I'm stealing your villain and I'm giving him to Barry. Um, so sometimes that comes up in my head and I have to kind of like, you know, just manage it a little bit. But thankfully, Barry already has his humongous group of villains that he has to deal with. So it helps <laughs> So um, I'm trying to think of how to get around this. There's basically not a lot of Watchmen stuff you can talk about, and I understand that. How was it? How was it with you and Tom King working together on the button? I mean, did you guys have to plot everything out together? Was it, or would you just sort of split up your parts and take it that way? Um, uh, Tom, you know, Tom and I met. Uh, it's it's crazy when think about how much time has passed and the the, the craziness of the last year or so. But when I, um, right when the, my, right when the baby was born, like a week later, I was told that I was going to go down to the DC offices. Part of it was because I was going to write just like Suicide Squad. And then also I was going to sit down with a couple different creators and just like talk about big picture stuff. And Tom was one of them. And so Tom and I had kind of met like, actually I'm going to say Tom and I had like in super passing had met before that, but right. that was our first time together. And, and, uh, we just got along really well. So, you know, him and I would text and talk throughout the, um, throughout the year and, uh, we just, you know, we just get along. We have a lot of similar thoughts on, uh, comic book stuff and we met and spent some time together in New York last year and then we went to ALA in January. So we just know each other pretty well and we have a lot of, uh, you know, we have a lot of sort of similar ideas on storytelling. I mean, we definitely have very different styles though. Sure. Um, but we see things a lot of the same way. And so when it came to that particular story, um, you know, we had basically had developed the plot with, there were certain aspects of that that were, you know, we're playing in somebody else's toy box. Like, and it's a very big picture that somebody else wants to tell. And so we were able to sit down and talk about that stuff with that person. And then we were able to talk with the editorial about it. And then him and I would just talk on the phone and text each other while that was going on. Um, you know, we would just get on the phone and kind of bounce our ideas back and forth on how it was going to work out. And then he wrote the first one and I wrote the two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we had to kind of go back and forth on some things. And then people, again, it's their story. They come in to make sure that it matches up with their story. But it was good. I like Tom a lot. And we still talk now about stuff. I was texting today about some things. And, you know, we uh, talked on the phone a few weeks ago. I think Tom is... Uh, I don't know. I, I Tom infuriates me sometimes. <laughs> and, really, uh, really, very, very good. Yeah, he's very and, smart and he's about like some stuff. A genuinely good person, and at the same time, 
So, so there's, that. yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times when I talk to him, like, you know, we, we have little conversations about that, but you know, he's a, he's a good dude and I like working with him. I, I would totally do that again. Like I would totally work on a, a, a co-writing bigger project with him again in the future if that came up. Uh, but you know, like he did that Batman and more FUD book that came out this week and that was really great. And, you know, um, I'm really, I've read Mr. Miracle number one. It's really, really good. People are going to like lose their minds over it. It'll win awards. You know, it'll be one of those books by the end of the year. We'll won every award possible. Um, you know, but I'm lucky and it's not just Tom, but I'm lucky to have a lot of people right now that I, I talked to on a pretty regular basis. This sort of inspired me to do better. And it's like him, Snyder and Steve Orlando and James Tynan. And, you know, I talk with a lot of these different DC creators and then friends of mine. But yeah, I'm really lucky right now. I like a lot of these dudes and it's it's good, you know. Uh, and then working with editorial, I think editorial is really great. There's a lot of people in there. Like, you know, I have Brian Cunningham as my group editor and then Amadeo and uh, Rebecca Taylor is the, she's coming on as a Flash editor and she's really great. She's been, uh, I was just talking to her and Amadeo on Friday afternoon about some stuff we have coming up at the end of the year. And it was really exciting, but uh, yeah, man, Tom's good, dude. I like Tom. Tom's uh, Tom is a is a good talent, and he's a good person to talk to about a lot of this stuff. Well, let me ask you about editorial, because you know the mm-hmm. the uh, insinuation a lot of times you'll hear from folks who don't know anything, um, but also mm-hmm. from folks who some folks who do is it's it's a pretty seems like a pretty top down model over there where there's sort of larger things that are going on, and some people deal with it well, and some people don't mm-hmm. like it as much, like. Do you, how do you feel about working in sort of that environment or, or is that way off base? I think that's way off base. I think that, I mean, I don't know. This is, this is what I'm going to say. Hmm. My experiences are different than others. <laughs> like sure. I, I hear stories about things and I'm like, I'm not done with any of that. Uh, you know, for the most part with the flash, like everything we've done in the flash has been things that I pitched, you know, I mean, Everything that we've talked about in The Flash, a lot of the story stuff are all things that I've pitched that we've talked about that were basically, you know, my ideas. And don't get me wrong, like, they have input and we have conversation. But that's really what it always is, is always a conversation. And I'm not very precious about things. Like, I like the collaborative environment. I like writer's rooms. I like – I mean, think about it, dude. Like, you get an opportunity to sit in a room with creators that you've liked since you were a kid or people that you know are responsible for big books that you also liked. And you get to sit in the room and, like, just talk to them about it and just go back and forth and just kind of, like, share your ideas, hear their ideas, hear their thoughts, they hear your thoughts, you know. And and somehow through all that, you get to develop a lot of really cool projects. I don't know. I, I really enjoy it. I know some people just want to be left alone. They want to sit in an office and they want to, like, they want to be at home and turn their script in or their work in and then just walk away and be like, don't touch it. <laughs> and that just isn't me, you know. Um, but I'm also very lucky that I feel like everything so far that I've been, that has impacted the book, like crossover-wise, or anything involving crossover stuff, I'm involved in anyway, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not like someone's coming at me and being like, hey, you got to make all these crazy changes. Do you, I, I feel like, in this instance at least, as we were talking about The Flash or something like that, like, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is what it is. And I feel like I'm, I'm not I'm not yanking your chain. Like, mm. you being on that book, I'm like, oh, you're the guy who's supposed to be on this book right now. That's literally how I feel when I, when I read the book. It feels Thanks, like it, it feels very right. Because a lot of times you're like, oh, this person's good. It's not gelling exactly, you know, whatever. But really, like, oh, this is what The Flash needed to be now. Because the other thing is, like, 
I'm, we've needed a good flash book for a while, one that feels right, one that isn't you know, like, well, it's like it's pretty good, but it's not not what it is. Like I feel like that's where we're. I mean, I assume you feel that way, like you're liking what you're doing with it. It feels like it's it's sparking. And, and oh right yeah, way. I'm really happy with a lot of it. There's the you know, uh, I definitely have those days where I look back and I'm like, oh, I should have done this differently, or oh, I should have built this up differently, or oh, I should have seeded this a little differently like there's certain things we're building toward in the book that i kind of wish i had like oh, i probably should spend a little more time with this or oh, i should have done that but mm-hmm. you know there's things like the godspeed stuff that i'm really happy with and there's a lot of like i mean we had the shade for three issues i wish we had had them a little longer um <laughs> you know uh, there's certain stories i wish i could have extended out a little bit um you know like the rogue story i wish i had had one more issue just because of certain character stuff but at the same time, I look at it, and, you know, I get the hardcovers in the mail. I look at it, and I'm very happy with it. I'm very proud of it. Like, I know I'm going to look back at this and be like, yeah. And especially when I get, um, you know, when I get to tell some of these really big stories that we have planned that I know I've been seeding, that I have been seeding from the beginning, mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe people haven't picked up on, it makes me happy, you know, to know that, like, I've been playing a long con with this book. That's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's, I feel like it's working. And I think that I, I like, you know, I'll use Preacher as an example, I guess. Is that Preacher, not to compare to Preacher, but I think that Preacher's, you know, in my top five favorite comics. And there's definitely a long con going on with that book. And it follows, it does follow a lot of like Hero's Journey stuff. And. I, I love that about it. And so, you know, I think that's one thing people kind of lost in comics over the years is the ability for someone to tell a very long story. I mean, think about Peter David. Like, Peter David would write these big stories that would, you know, you, you go back and you read it and you're like, oh, man, that was like 30 issues worth of comics he did on this thing, you know? And now it's like, it feels like a lot of times comics have like five issues to do something and or people are taken off books or books are canceled after six issues or they're only on the book for a year and it's like, you know, you don't get to tell this big stuff. That was one of the benefits of the double shipping. And I, I got to work on the book. Yeah, it was one of the benefits of double shipping. I actually love double shipping. I know some people don't like it, but I love it. Uh, as a fan and as a writer, I really like it. Uh, but I get to tell a really big story with this character that I feel like is going to be something when someone goes back and when I'm done with the book, when they come back and they look at everything they're going to see that I, w- I really was trying to tell one really big story with the flash. It wasn't a bunch of little ones. I really had, you know, a big thing that I was doing and, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm that, that's what makes me, I think I'll be happy with it. Uh, yeah. How has it been working sort of double shipping? You're doing a new book that comes out every two weeks or something like that. Um, it isn't, it is that, I don't know why it's, I would say it's something like that. How, I mean, that's, that's relatively new. We've been at this for a year now um you know and you're, you're yeah. th- that sort of breakneck schedule every time i use a metaphor it applies perfectly to the flash and i'm trying not to like, <laughs> it's rapid there's momentum you're it's really hard not to pun well, like that constantly you have to think about this like, even before i was on the flash like i'm a workaholic and i think sure. if you we go back and you look over the last few years you'll see that i've more or less had a book come out every week for years um you know back when i was working on like around Around when Nailbiter was getting announced, I was doing Nailbiter, Captain Midnight, Predator, <laughs> Birthright, Robocop, and I know I'm missing something. You know what I mean? Ghosted. My God. Yeah. I'm still doing Ghosted. And I was doing 
um, like a Marvel miniseries at that time, right? Like I was doing all those what ifs for them. So there was a moment there where I was doing that many projects. Here's the thing that's crazy is like Flash is double ship, but my schedule is probably the least amount of books I've ever had to work on right now. Sure. Like right now. And I mean, that was one of the things when I was gearing up to get the job on Flash. I knew at that point I might be getting my timetable wrong. Ghosted was on its way to end. Ghosted, no, Ghosted had already ended. I knew that Nailbiter was ending at 30. You know what I mean? Like, I knew certain things. Captain Midnight had ended. Like, I knew stuff going into it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when it came to, they were like, oh, you know, we're going to be doing double shipping. I was like, I can do that, dude. I write a script (laughs) a week anyway. Like, it makes no difference. Um, And I remember Mark Wade always made that joke about how, like, he would... uh, you know, the Flash has a second to figure his way out of a mystery or a cliffhanger, but Mark has 30 days, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I have two weeks, but I still figure it out. Like, I just work on it. And so it's like, yeah, the Flash sometimes is like a full time job, but I still get to work on all these other cool stuff. And, you know, I went from writing the Flash to writing Justice League Suicide Squad and Justice League Suicide Squad was weekly for mm-hmm. six weeks. Um, you know, so it's like, I, I don't know. I don't that that grind doesn't bother me as much. I feel that. The only thing about it that I wish we had been better about, I say that I say we, but really I, um, if we had worked further ahead so that we could have had longer arcs with artists, like one artist, like we have, you know, we'll have three or four issues in a row with one artist and then we'll have like one or two with another artist and then we'll have three or four with one and that kind of thing. Um, but I'm lucky that I get to work with a lot of artists that I get along with. And I think I've been able to build kind of relationships with them that it kind of works and we're able to carry the story through, even though it has the multiple artists. Yeah, that's actually interesting. So you have some influence over that in terms of sort of how long, you know, this uh, a given arc is or how far ahead you're getting, I guess. I mean, I used to be really far ahead. Now I'm actually in terms of like figured stuff out and plot. I'm, you know, it's crazy. Like in my brain right now, I'm, I, I had a moment on Friday where it was like a weight lift off my shoulders. That I realized how far out we were with planning. Hmm. Um, with the artists, it just depends, dude. Cause like artists have their schedules too. So it's like, I have my schedule, the artist has their schedule and the editorial has their schedule and we have to be realistic. And sometimes I'm not realistic. Hmm. Sometimes I'm a little too much like Barry and I'm too hopeful. <laughs> um, and I, you know, and I also don't want to rush any artists and I don't want to make them feel like they have to like not put out work that they uh, are happy with. So like they need to be able to take their time with it too. So a lot of times, you know, we have to just kind of work on that and figure stuff out, uh, in terms of say, uh, I can suggest things and we talk about it. I mean, I guess I'm in a weird spot with them because everything always feels like a conversation. Yeah. Like I make suggestions, they make suggestions and then we figure out what actually is the best idea. And I'm not the kind of person to be like, it has to be mine. You mean like, you, know, you mean like grownups you're, ab- you're operating yeah. like grownups in a business. Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. Well, I think that's what going back to what we had talked about before is that, you know, when I started working in comics, you know, I started making books back in 2001. I had to learn really quickly cause I was trying to be a self publisher. Yeah that everything this, this is a business and and that sounds silly but there are people i think that don't recognize that not only are not only is comics a business but you yourself is a small business and there's a lot of that and i i think i really came around to learning that working on nailbiter and you know nailbiter we were never late we we put out 30 issues in three years and as an image book, we kept, we were consistent and our sales were always consistent and we sold well because of that. And I know that was a big part of it. 
And being able to do that helped me build a relationship with retailers because there's so many books that are late. And I think retailers saw that like I was always consistent so that when I got to do flash and it was a double shipping kind of situation, I was very like, I can do this. Let's do this. But at the same time, I learned how to sort of, uh, just, I don't know, have that conversation with people and not be precious about it and be like, what is actually going to work? What What is the realistic way of doing this versus my way? If my way works, that's terrific. But if my way isn't going to work, I'm not going to force that on anybody. Well, let me, let me use this to actually shift gears a little bit because at mm-hmm. the same time we're talking about all this Flash stuff, you've got – it's two creator-owned books going on right now basically. Is, uh, no, is Nailbiter still a thing? Is it, oh, is it over? It's over, yeah. It's That's the one I didn't read because, time. honestly, just the title creeps me out. It's not my thing. But <laughs> That's a horror one. Yeah, issue 30 came out in March. And it's, so, like a hor- it's, I, a, it's a horror book, right? If you can, yeah, yeah, it's a horror book at Image. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew that much. Like it's About serial this, killers. <laughs> yeah, some, some genres are not my thing, and I just don't bother. And that's uh, – I, I don't that's understand funny. I didn't horror. know that. No, no, horror does does nothing for me. I never has. I don't know what that is. I'm totally caught up on on birthright and stuff like that. But either way, oh, so in the midst good. amidst of doing all this, you know, you're also self publishing books. And even though that that's ended, you know, it was mm-hmm. not. It, you know, relatively recently, you had a bunch of stuff going on. How are you approaching those? Are you approaching those any differently than one another? Uh, meaning the, the sort of creator-owned stuff uh, and, and birthright? Sort of, no, like the creator-owned stuff versus you know balancing that with with doing the uh, with doing the DC stuff and, and things like that. I mean that's the creator-owned books on their own. I mean that's a full-time job. That there's there's no doubt. Yeah. Um, so yeah. to sort of fit all those things in, you know, how do you do you approach them differently, or is it all just I, on this on Wednesday I work on this, on Thursday I do this? Yeah, it's it's by week. So okay. it's like this would be Flash Week, you know, um, and then the next week would be back then it'd be like Nailbiter Week, and then we'd have Happy Birthright, and sometimes they would bleed into each other, and sometimes it'd be like, well, I'm waiting on something, so I might as well start the other thing, or or work on this a little bit, or this thing is on fire and needs to be done now, so this person can get started, or you know, mm-hmm. or it's like, oh hey, there's a holiday coming up, you know, can we get go? Can you go back over the script real quick and double check the dialogue to make sure it fits the art, and then you know, can you do that real quick? And it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna put the Flash aside to do that real fast. Uh, now things a little bit less so because the only creator on book I'm working on right now is uh, Birthright. Um, Do you have a plan for that to be to an end for that, or is it? Yeah, every book I work on, I know it's the last pages, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that, but like in terms of like a schedule, like what are we in the twenty mid twenties or something now? Yeah, twenty six comes out in September. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, September. And that's actually probably my favorite issue that I've written in a while. Oh, wow. Um, I. I don't know how it happens. It was just one of those things I started writing it. I knew it in my head and just wrote it and was like, oh, I'm really happy with this one. And it was supposed to be because it was it was supposed to also because we we're taking a gap because we we're going to take a three month gap between 25 and 26. Mm-hmm. I also wanted it to feel like not a jumping on point because I feel like on image books, that's a little bit of a different mentality. But um, just, a, just a place to kind of remind the reader of where the story has been. Um as we move forward with like this next big chapter that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so with that, I wrote the script up and I didn't hear from them for a while. And then I got a call from them and they were from, this is from Skybound and Skybound was just like, Oh, we just, we loved it. Like we thought it was really good. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Cause that's the, that's the best. And you know, the script is good. This is going to sound crappy. I don't know when you know, it's good. Like you feel it. You're like, Oh man, this one, I did it. Like, this is a good one. And then your editor, who's your first reader, really, yeah calls you up and is like, oh, this is good. And you're just like, oh, man. It's a yes. lot better than the opposite. The Well, I know this is good, but no one else seems to think so. 
Yeah. Oh man, that's the worst. That happened on nineteen on uh, Sky uh, Birthright nineteen. I was like, I am a genius. It's like <laughs> this is this is this is terrific. I the balance. I had. I thought I was. Oh my god! Like this is a good one. This is a good one. I knew it was a little out there. I knew it was a little out there, but I was like, this is a good one. And then that was probably one of the ones I had done the most notes on after that. And and they were right. It didn't add up. Like it's one of those things where like I had to come down from the clouds and look at it and be like, oh yeah, this doesn't work at all. But, uh, you know, that happens to you sometimes. Um, you know, there was an issue of flash that I wrote is issue six and I wrote, it's like a four page sequence of Barry and Godspeed arguing. And I remember writing that and being like, this is a good, this is a good scene between them. Like a good character. It's a good moment. For these two people who are used to be friends who are now enemies. Like it's that buildup of betrayal. And I was very happy with it. And I was like, you know what, this one, this is a good scene. Like I could feel it. And I turned it in and I remember we got the, I got the notes and I was talking to them on the phone about it. And then they were like, they were like, okay, uh, on page 14, we have this note. And I was like, all right, cool. That's fine. Blah, blah, blah. And they were like, all right. And they jumped ahead to like page 19 or something. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what about 15 through 18? That four-page sequence. And they were like, oh, no, that's perfect. Don't touch it. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, but when it comes to the balance of things, I mean, I, I try to keep a tight schedule. I try to just make sure I'm working on this thing this week and that, wing, that thing that week. And, you know, Nailbiter was the most different of all of it because, like, Birthright is with Skybound, so I do have editorial like editorial support and i mean that in like many different ways because editorial i was telling this to my wife the other day and, and i know bryce from boom tweeted this a few weeks ago but basically like editors they're not spell checkers right mm-hmm. like i think people think that sometimes and i've had conversations with other writers that i wanted to smack over the head when they were like well they just check our spelling right um you know but they're they they're they hold many hats and they're also like our therapists a lot of times as well um so when i say editorial support i mean that in many ways um but with dc and skybound i had editorial support whereas in with nailbiter we had an editor who mostly was there just like to ask me questions to make sure i wasn't like going off the rails to be like this part doesn't make sense can you explain it or this this right here is to the nose like he wasn't really there to do the same kind of editorial support so that was different um with nailbiter it was different because it was really just me and mike you know mike and i would talk a lot like when we wrote the last issue we actually wrote it in the car driving to an airport um we just like talked out in the car like page by page especially the last half because it was a 40 page book so we knew the last 20 we had ideas on the first 20 but we knew the last 20 really well and then he came over to my house when we got back and i have a wife two whiteboards in my office and he just you know uh, I literally wrote one through 40 on the whiteboard and we just talked about what every page was mm-hmm. and what it was going to be kind of detailed out and just had ideas for it. And then I went and I um, wrote a full script and gave it to him and then he drew it. And then, you know, that's how he finished the book off. But like that kind of thing, you don't really do as much. Yeah. You know, and I'm not to say that isn't the case. Cause I know there are some teams like that at, at Marvel and DC that have that kind of relationship, but that's more of an image relationship. It feels like, or I, not just image, but just create your own, you know, on your own Wild West style relationships are like that a lot. Some of the best, I think that's some of the best, you know, they have these, these great comic book teams and it's like, cause they just talk it out ahead of time and yeah, then that's, they, then that they go together. I mean, that's the, that's always the part that always seemed the hardest, that blank one to 22, one to 40, whatever, you know, but if you're just 
working, you know, with the guy who's drawing it and doing it at the same time. That that's that's a beautiful thing. I prefer that to anything else. I mean, yeah. like Howard Porter and I, we get on the phone a lot because he's doing, you know, he's the two button issues, and then he'll do a couple other issues of the Flash and. I love working with Howard, which is also super crazy because, you know, I've been a fan of Howard since he did The Ray back in the 90s. Like, I've followed that guy's career from The Ray to Unruh and Leash to JLA. And, and, you know, he was one of my favorite artists. I was showing him all these sketches that he did when I was, like, a kid going to San Diego Comic-Con meeting him. Um, But uh, him and I will get on the phone and I'll just be like, here, this is what I think is going to happen this issue. Talk about this, this, and this. And then he'll call me sometimes if he's, like, on a page and he's like, what about this, this, and this? And I'm like, that's cool with me. Go for it. And it's also Howard Porter, so I'm not going to tell him what to do. <laughs> it's like he knows, you know. Go, yeah, exactly. He does know. Um, I mean, I think that's the ideal way to do it. I think is to be able to have that kind of working relationship. Um, even though with Birthright, you know, me and Andre, we will email each other and, and sort of talk about things, and then I'll see him at um, conventions. It's really funny. Him, it's funny because like I went to school for art, but I can't really draw well, and so. <laughs> Uh, I can do a lot of production for art and I can do certain things. And when I have the time, I can draw roughs and I can show people what I'm talking about with a cover or a splash or whatever. I can be like, that's what I mean. But I've had moments like Riley Rossman when I were working on something years ago and I drew out what I was talking about. And uh, he called me. Like I emailed it to him and he called me and I picked up the phone. And he was just laughing. And he was like, never do that again. This is a horrible drawing. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh like andre and i one time were in new york and we were talking about two-page spread and i started drawing two-page spread to explain what i was talking about and he was just like i know you're talking about but jesus christ you can't draw <laughs> and i was like yeah but you understand what i'm trying to say right you get what i mean he's like yes i do i got it and i was like all right cool um but you know that's that's the best way to do it um yeah juggling it dude i don't know it's it's really weird it's it's it, it it's funny because this is my full-time job I, i'm pulling you know i start working at seven and i end working at 6 30 every night and then again sometimes i'll put in a couple extra hours at night it's all like the same job man so you know we're just trying to put the books out it was harder it was harder definitely when i was doing a lot of stuff when i was doing too much you know um that was definitely harder it's like when i was working on robocop and working on um what yeah dude i was doing I robocop imagine- and you're working for like a bunch of different publishers, including yourself, you know, there are going to be times when things come up, you know, that need to be done. And one thing is going yeah. to derail the other and you've got to pick, you know, you've got to make that priority. Like, is the flash yeah. more important, you know, but then at the same time, you've got an artist who's depending on you for the other book. So sheesh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to do it. I mean, one time my wife and I were on vacation. This is when we had first, we've only been dating for like six, no longer than that. I've been dating for like eight, nine months. And we went on vacation, and uh, my laptop was open. We had this really nice suite in Mexico, but my laptop was always open. And I would walk over, and I would do a couple things, come back, and you know, we'd go to the beach, we'd do all this stuff. And she was like, you're working. I'm like, listen, I will never leave an artist waiting. If they have a question about something, I will always answer an email. I'm not going to sit there and maybe script the whole scene out, but it's like if, if they're asking me questions, I'm not going to let them wait for me. I'll always answer emails. And so she got that, and she understands that, because I'm like, listen, artists get paid – every time they turn a page in. So imagine an artist basically by me not answering an email or not answering their questions and they have to wait an extra day. I'm telling them, I don't care about you not getting paid for an extra day. And that's not cool. So I try to stay on top of those things. I try to be mindful of it. I try to make sure that like no artist is ever waiting on me because if they're waiting on me, that means they're waiting on getting paid as well. That's just not fair. Uh, I don't want to hold it up. And if I ever, if that ever happens, which it has happened, it's a bummer. Um, it sucks, dude. It sucks for everybody involved. <laughs> 
Um, but I mean, that's another thing. I would at this point, I think I, I I think it is smart to not work for as many publishers. Like you don't want to work for everybody at once. This is my yeah. thing, I guess. I try to only work for two at a time now, if I could, if I could. Um, especially if you're doing something that's a licensed thing that like ties into something else that's like a movie or a TV show or you know whatever a video game whatever those are harder than anything to work on. Well, so thinking of it in terms of like strictly branding, personal branding as a sort of writer or the maker of mm-hmm. comic books kind of thing. I I feel like some people when they first get a chance they get to work on everything and so they take anything they can, but it yeah. ends up diluting who they are to everybody because you know you're working on yeah. seven things it doesn't i don't know what you are you have to find a way of finding some kind of balance i, I think you have to sort of be able to find ways of putting yourself into it you don't want to just take jobs and make it look like nothing mm-hmm. you know it's just you should try to take jobs that you know you can put yourself into and it'll look like you um i mean i try to do that i try to make sure that if you read all my stuff you can feel it's me i have my own personal ticks that I like to do. And I try to make sure those things are all in all the books I work on. Um, you know, it, it's weird because I think when you are first starting out, you do want to take on whatever you can. And, you know, obviously you want money too. That's a big part of it. And then also you want experience, people are offering you things. You just got to find a way of, of balancing it out. And then at some point making those, those, those decisions of like, am I not only deleting my brand, but am I deleting my work? Am I repeating myself? Am I, you know, am I just not hitting, am I not taking the time to slow down and focus? I'm not sure if I ever told you this story before. I've told this to other people, but I'm going to tell you a little story. It's stupid, but I think it applies to some of this. Um, when I was a little kid, I, uh, back in 19, this is 89, I think. I have been 88, but I think it's 89. Um, I was a little kid. Little Mermaid comes out. And I remember I went to the theater with my family after the movie was over, they were handing out these little sheets of paper that were coloring. It was like the cover to the poster or whatever, or like a scene with Ariel and, and some of their characters. And uh, they told us, you know, go home and color it and then bring it back. And they were going to hold a contest at the end of the week or the end of the weekend or whatever. And whoever had the best, the best one was going to win like a stuffed flounder or something. So, I was, which people have never seen a little stuffed flounder is a fish in the movie flounder, not an actual stuffed flounder to cook, but a stuffed animal. So uh, I, uh, we went to my cousin's house, to my aunt's house, and we're all coloring, me and my cousins. And, and I was going really fast, like really fast, being really competitive, and just trying to color this thing. My cousin's there with me, and she's like close to my age, and she's just like trying to color really fast too. And we're all, we're all rushing. And we're all just trying to make this thing and, and being competitive with each other. And, and it was more about who can get it done first than who could do the best coloring. And, you know, and uh, I remember thinking, like, yeah, mine is the best. And then we all got them done. And that was going to be it. Uh, so, like, a week later, we go to my, my aunt's house again. And my cousin had won. And I was really surprised by this. Also, I'm a little kid, so I'm like, you're sucked. What do you mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> you won? And my aunt explained to me, she was like, at the end of the night, my cousin looked at the work that she had done, and she knew she could have done better, and that she knew she was rushing, and letting that feeling of competition get into her. So my aunt, the next day, went and asked for another one, and then came back, and she let her color it again, take her time on it, and do it on it by herself, and she won. Now, part of the story is my aunt cheated because she went back to get more, but... <laughs> 
you know, it was something I learned and I've always had this idea in my head about like taking your time and, and like not getting obsessed with what's going on around you and not, you know, having all these other people around you kind of influence what you're doing, you know, kind of letting yourself go into a bubble and just be like, and how can I do this the best I can me do this and take my time with it. And, um, I think I see this with a lot of creators where they don't have that moment where they're kind of like, I need to slow down a little bit and just sort of take a step back and, and look at what I'm doing. And am I doing work that I'm really proud of that I think is going to stand out? Like I would rather do a nail biter that, you know, is, is really the, it's the only essential book I've ever done. Cause I've done books with Skybound. I've done books with uh, Shadowline, but nail biter is the only image central book I've done. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I did one, and don't get me wrong, there was a couple books before that, like I said, with Shadow Lion and Skybound. Um, but with, with Nailbiter, yeah, I had to finish it. And I had to finish it, and dude, we could have kept going. We probably could have gone for another two years. Easy. Um, we were always like, we were always selling, and we were always staying consistent. It was coming out. People were happy with it. I was still energized by it. I wasn't bored with it. Um, you know, it was an opportunity to write kind of a trashy horror book, which I enjoyed doing, you know, um, a Penny Dreadful style. Just, you know, grind house b movie comic book mm-hmm. and it was a release in a lot of ways but um we got to have control of this thing and it did well and it's like i think part of that is because i didn't have you know 10 books just like it that were you know it, it felt like i was doing something that was me that stood out and it was different because it was different even though ghosted was a horror book it was different and Birthright is drastically different because it's a fantasy thing. And then Flash is drastically different. But I put a lot of myself into it, into of myself into those books. And so I, I try to keep them like that. And I have the same conversation with people about uh, DC books. Like, since I've done Flash Rebirth, the only other book that I've done is Justice League Suicide Squad. Like, I haven't gone and done, like, a, a ton of stuff. I want not writing, you know, two or three DC books. I'm writing Flash. And then I'm writing... I wrote Justice League Suicide Squad. So it's like, I literally have written my bit, my book and then one of the event books, and that's it. And I think I do that on, on purpose. It's a decision, so, you know, because I want to make sure that I kind of focus my energies in the places that I'm the most passionate about, not just to kind of spread myself out just for the sake of spreading myself out. Which, you know, given the opportunity, given the fact that, you know, you have a new baby, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of impetus to do that. Well, let me, let me ask yeah. you this, and it's sort of just yeah. the... How, how one manages it just because I, I find this interesting, you know, how how did, you know, having a baby and having that be part of your life affect how you were working? Because you have worked on comics for years, you know, more or less under what you could do your, your own schedule. You could do, you know, how did you have to change? You know, how did it affect you? Uh, yeah. I mean, drastic. yes, you had to change. <laughs> well, I mean, so, you know, what it is is, is that I got really used to having two shifts or having multiple shifts. I mean, I could... You know, I could I could work in the morning. I could stop in the afternoon, do other stuff, and then work in the afternoon. And then you know, there are times where I could just like be like, you know what, I'm gonna stay up tonight and work really late and work till like two in the morning, and um, you know, have this kind of varied schedule. I mean, I definitely would put in my hours in the in the morning more so than anything else. But I was able to have things differently. And if I felt like, hey, I'm gonna sleep in this day, I can do that. And if I want to take a nap, <laughs> you know, there was there was ways of breaking the schedule up. Um, and I was able to do a lot of projects. I was able to do a little bit more. But once the baby was born, uh, I was writing less, thankfully. 
I was definitely writing less. I had just taken on Justice League Suicide Squad, which I knew was going to be this gigantic endeavor. And that was okay. I was excited by it. It was a good challenge. It was one of the reasons why I came and started talking to DC again was because I felt like I wanted a big challenge. So uh, with the baby, I had to change the way I worked in terms of my schedule. Like I had to start making sure that I really was doing like a nine to five kind of thing, you know, um, like I said, I work from like seven to six thirty, but I do stop in the middle of the day to help out with stuff. That was one of the biggest changes. I mean, the sleep stuff was crazy, you know, like the sleep stuff was nutty. Um, but again, I was really thankful that my schedule was changed a little bit. Like I was able, like I couldn't have done it if it had happened a year before. I want to say a year. If it, if if we had had the baby, let's say, yeah, a year before, a year to six months before, it would have been a disaster for me, just in terms of the workload I was at. Sure. But I was at this weird groove where, like, I was ahead on Flash. I was taking on Justice League Suicide Squad. But I was really only, like, wrapping up Nail Buyer and working on Birthright at that time. Like, I had done... I had wrapped up everything else I was doing and I only needed to work on essentially four books a month where before that was only like six or seven. It was, it was too much. Um, you know, and technically one of those books was the same book, right? Yeah. Like, cause Nailbiter, you know, was pretty much done, done really, really early. And Mike and I would just talk about stuff if we needed to. Birthright was the only book that I was writing outside of that. And then I had flash twice a month and then, just like Suicide Squad. And just like Suicide Squad, like we said, I had a lot of support on that because it was an event and I would just talk to a lot of people about editors, different writers. Like I could I could communicate with all of them what I needed to do. And um but yeah, man, if the baby had come six months to a year early, oof, it would have been it would have been very different. Um and so now with her, like I'm very lucky that, you know, this is this is a big eye opening thing for me and I'm very lucky that I make enough money making comic books that my wife doesn't have to work full time. Mm-hmm. So she's here with the baby all day. I have no idea how he would do this if that wasn't the case. Um, you know, and then we're also lucky that our, her grand, my wife's mom, so the baby's grandma lives nearby. And so she's able to help out. It's just like, that's huge. Oh yeah, dude. It's crazy. Especially right now. Cause she's a teacher. So it's the summer. Um, it's it's crazy. I don't know how we would have done it at all. At all. And I had to, you know, go and do uh, conventions. And I had meetings to do. And, um, yeah, man. I don't know. Now it's... The, it's funny with her now because now we have, like, a really good system in place. And so the baby has, like, you know, she's has no idea as this goes on. Um, I was telling my wife, my only worry now in regards to the baby is that that baby's going to walk into my office one day and be like, holy shit, there's a bunch of toys in here. I'm going to thrash this place. <laughs> uh, that is my only concern at this point. But uh, it definitely took some getting used to the idea that, like, you know, I had to start working at seven and be like solid blocks of time. Where before, it made me realize how loose I was. Where I was very schedule based, but I was very like at the same time, like, you know, I could take my time with this, and like, if I take, if I decide to go someplace for a day or go get lunch with somebody, it's not that big a deal. Now it's a lot more structured to be like no, I have to put in four hours of solid writing in the morning and then do the business of comics after that, uh, you know, and try to eat lunch, <laughs> but, uh, and then help out a little bit, but then I have to do the business of comics and light writing after that. Um, so are you yeah. the kind of writer then that, are you know, when you're sort of going, you've got to do a script, you know, do you just, are you, do you just push through things? Because what I've always found is that like, 
I've always needed to have like time to let your mind wander. And since I have kids, yeah. I, find I don't have any of that time, but you know, it, it's my understanding that when writers get to that point, they just start going, Oh, well, and they push through. I mean, how, how does that work for you? Uh, sometimes I can push through. I'm not as good at that. Um, you know, it's funny you said that, like I, that was another thing about the baby thing that I realized was that I, uh, definitely was a, okay. I never write at the computer, like not really. Sure. Like I will type things up at the computer, but I don't write. I don't come up with ideas at the computer. It's pretty rare. Usually it's, I'm walking around my house or whatever, and I would go do something. Um, you know, I'd be taking care of something and those ideas come to me, you know, cooking, cleaning, going for a walk, going for a drive, like driving someplace. Um, a lot of like alone time, yeah. you know, like, like solitary alone time that is not the computer was when I would get a lot of my ideas. And that was something that changed was that, like, once the baby was here, it was hard to be like, hey, listen, I just need, like, <laughs> some alone time. <laughs> Let me just kind of, like, chill for a little bit. Like, that is harder to come by. But we, you know, we found places to make it work. And, like, I was writing dialogue. Um, I was rewriting dialogue on Flash 27, and I was just kind of, like, stuck on it. I could not get my head around, like, you know, making the dialogue more personal and, and have a better flow to it and more cutting. And I was like, I'm just going to go for a drive. I was going to get lunch. That's what it was. I'm going to get lunch. I'm going to drive someplace, like, a half hour away and get lunch and then come back. And I got in the car, and as soon as I got in the car, I started figuring the dialogue out. And also, I'm going to tell you something I do that I don't think any other writers that I know do that's crazy. I record myself talking to myself. <laughs> and so what I'll do is I have headphones on, and I'll plug my phone in, or I'll just like literally have my phone in the car, and I'll hit record while I'm driving. And I'm just driving, talking to myself, or I'll go for a walk, talking to myself. Like, my neighbors think I'm a lunatic, because they'll see me walking the streets talking to myself. <laughs> and uh, I literally like method act where it's like I will talk as if I'm that character and, and try to have those arguments and then what I'll do is I'll record all of it I'll come back here and I'll type it all up and then I edit it I go through and I go this works this works this works this doesn't work this doesn't work I rearrange it whatever but um, that's how I write a lot of stuff not not all of it I would say I would say like 40% of the writing that's what I do some of it is just like sitting with a notebook and just writing shit out in the notebook um, and then taking that to computer people who grind it out. I mean, that's great that they can do that. It's harder for me to do that. Um, there are times where I've sat down and I just felt it. And I can see it in my head. I can, I can feel the comic. I can see it in my hand. I'm just like typing up what I see in my mind's eye, whatever. And I just start, I start typing. Um, that does happen occasionally, but those days when I'm struggling, I've noticed that I have to like get away from anything involving work to figure it out. I can't be sitting at the computer. If I sit at the computer and stare at the computer, I will do that all day and never get anything done. <laughs> like I can't just be like, I'm making this happen. It's like, I have to leave. And then I'll go for a walk, record myself, talk to myself for an hour and I come back and I have it all figured out. Um, but yeah, it's like a crazy person. Yeah. I, I guarantee you there's somebody else who does that. Maybe not in comics. That seems I know a like, lot of guys. Uh, I know a lot of guys who do um, notebook work a lot, like a lot of notebook stuff. You know, like in Jeff's the guy who kind of draws the comic out. Um, and then some people have different ways of doing it. I don't know. It's, it's some people just writing. Like, I mean, there are some writers I know who literally can write. Just write, man. It's crazy. Like prose, you know, and write like 
these long verbose things and then they edit it down and I'm like, oh man, nope. That's nope. not how I do it. No. Because I, I also don't think of it in prose. I just think of it in the script. And and my goal is not to try to write the best script. My goal is to try to write the best comic. You know, So I'm thinking about the end game, not, the, not how do I write this beautiful poetic script that people are going to read my panel descriptions and be like, that's poetry. Like That's not my goal at all. My goal is to make sure the comic book part looks good. <laughs> the comic book part works. Um, but yeah, man, it's weird. Comic books are weird. Comic books are weird, and and someday uh, you'll never be able to apply any of this to anything. No. <laughs> oh, dude, let me tell you about that. Like, because uh, you know, I have those moments um, where I will go to, uh, where I'll go to, um, like anywhere. Like, you go and you see like Home Depot or whatever. You go to like you know, you go to Target and you see these signs that say like "Help Wanted." And you start fantasizing. I'm like, oh man, what if my career like totally crashed and I had to get a job at Target or Home Depot? And um, I would not. I would be worthless at those jobs. <laughs> like, people who do those jobs, uh, good on them because I, I have no I have no skills at this point. <laughs> uh, I had skills before, back when I was like art director and stuff like that. But even then, it's a creative field. It's yeah. you know, it's not the same at all. I would not be able to make it work. Um, like you know, more power to people that can can do that. Like they have, they are more, they have more value than I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they're actually doing something. I would be like, I what do I do? I don't understand anymore. It's I, it's funny. I I don't know how I'd explain it to people. I often think about when society breaks down, how hosed I am. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, man, dude, let's. Uh, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I, when I was working. A couple couple months ago, we had a really bad storm here in Portland where the power was out for a weekend. Like, it went out at, like, Friday at 8 a.m. It turned on at 2 or 3 on Sunday. And, uh, you know, there was no communication. Uh, you could do phones. We had internet. We had internet because our phones, as long as the batteries didn't die on our phones. And it was, oh, man, it was a nutty, nutty weekend. And... Uh, God, it was really surreal because all the food in the fridge died. All this stuff happened. And I remember yeah, being like, I would not survive when the apocalypse comes. We did okay, but we went, I went to Safeway and the inside of Safeway, which is the grocery store here. Yeah. Uh, we went to Safeway and uh, Safeway was also shut down. So I literally had to like, pry open the doors to get in because they would let you buy water and certain things. But they were everything else was, was closed off. And it was all dark inside. And there were like fire crews around because they were like taking a break. It really did feel like, oh, the apocalypse just happened. Um, yeah, I'd be worthless <laughs> during the apocalypse. I'd be like, I can tell stories. Like, I'd be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, and then move those things over there. If you're not fast enough, we'll have to kill you. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, to, I guess to kind of wrap some stuff up, like I, I, I've been really lucky, I feel like. And, and yeah, it's, it's nutty to me to think of all the stuff I've done leading up to during The Flash and then working on The Flash and being in the room. And, you know, we, last year when we were working on Justice League Suicide Squad, that we were also talking about the JLA roster for Steve Orlando's team. And we had these all these conversations. Because we were talking about that. We were talking about the villains we were going to use in Justice League Suicide Squad. And there was a moment at dinner that night you know, we're all tired. We're, just, we're exhausted. It's like these long days of just like talking about this stuff and going back and forth and arguing, but you know, and having these like really energetic conversations. And I was just sitting there and I was like, yeah, but guys, like, you know, we literally built the Justice League team today. Like that is going to come out. It's, it's not like me and my buddies at the comic shop talking about what our Justice League team would be. It's like, we literally had that conversation today and that's going to be in stores. Like that's, 
were, you know, was very lucky, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's very surreal at times when I think about those kinds of things and the big picture of that. But well, I don't can, know, man. You can talk about luck, but I've known you for a long time now and you worked for it. So uh, Thanks, time, yeah. opportunity, you know, all that stuff together. Uh, but it's good to see. And uh, it's really good to thanks, talk man. to you. Um, I'm yeah, you really too, glad to see it. Again. Yeah, yeah thanks. I'm really, I'm really glad that uh, people are enjoying it. And I'm, I don't know, man. It's really weird. I always felt like I was the underdog. And I was like the Rocky in comics for a long time. <laughs> and it's funny because I still feel like that way sometimes. Like, it's, it's, it's funny when I see things of like how The Flash is doing well and like sales and things like that. Or people do like it. But I miss that part of me that's just like the neuroses in me will like never be able to just be like, oh, yeah, things are cool and like relax. Like I'm always thinking of like, what's the next thing? What's well, the bigger it's comics, thing? And, so. Yeah, exactly. It's comics, <laughs> you know, so I never I never uh, rest on my laurels. I'm always trying to figure out how do I how do I amp stuff up a little bit. And uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for that edge, though. But again, I'm thankful I took my time on that stuff. And I still feel that way. Like, it's still interesting. I think about how old I am right now. And I'm thinking about what I want to do in the future. And I. You know, but I don't think like, oh, next year, two years. I'm like, okay, what do I want to be doing when I'm 50? Like, what do I, what, what are the comics I want to do when I'm 50? Like, that's actually in my head right now. So it's like, you know, more than 10 years from now. So I'm always thinking out ahead a little bit and, you know, what I want to do five years from now. And, um, but again, it's all about the long, I guess I am just with the storytelling and long con. I think about that like my career in a lot of ways. And so I'm thankful that the, I'm able to pull this con off, I guess. <laughs> Cool. I have no doubt that you will keep doing that. And that is going to do it for Talksplode. Thanks again to Joshua Williamson. I have a hard time saying Joshua, even though it is my own name. So there you go. Um, thanks for coming to talk to us about your comic books and your career and all that stuff. And thank you to the patrons, of course, obviously, for supporting iFanboy and everybody else uh, for listening to iFanboy. Uh, we appreciate you also very much uh you can of course go to ifanboy.com you can check out this episode you can comment on it all of our other shows that are there you can see all of our past content and stuff like that and of course look out for more that's coming on the way and we'll talk to you soon thanks